Welcome to the Simple Church Podcast. We'd like to thank you for taking a few moments out of your day to listen to what God is doing here in Reynoldsburg, Ohio. We hope today's message will be encouraging and uplifting to you. To learn more about Simple Church, maybe you'd like to be our guest for a service, please visit our website at www.simplechurchohio.com. There you'll find more information about us, location, service times, and even online giving opportunities. And now, here's today's message. This week we're starting a new series. Thank you. This week we're, we're, we're starting a series that we're going to walk through Philippians. We're going to take a joy ride through Philippians. And, and the goal in this series is to, is to help you learn how to have joy no matter what the circumstance. No matter what the circumstance that, that, that God has, has called for us to, to choose joy. And, and my desire, our desire is, as a leadership team is, is that, that we walk away from here having a better understanding of how to make those choices. Now, now this is the, the book of Philippians, which is actually a letter. If you're not familiar with Philippians, this is one of uh, the prison letters that, that Paul wrote. Um, he, he, was, he, was, he had planted this church like 10 years prior. He had actually spent time in prison at Philippi. Um, but at this time that he's writing, he's in a prison in Rome, writing a letter back to this uh, church at Philippi. And, uh, and he, had a deep, he had a deep love for this church. And, and when you read this letter, you can see that he had a deep love for this church, and he wanted them to learn how to have joy no matter what, no matter what the circumstance. And you know, how do we know this? We know this because he uses the word joy or rejoice 16 times this letter. It's only four chapters. It'll take you like five minutes to read through it. But, but joy and rejoicing is, is, is the primary theme. He goes, we rejoice in the Lord. Again, I say rejoice. It's just one after another after another. And, and what's, what's ironic here is Paul is writing this from prison, from a, from a Roman prison. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm vaguely familiar with what prison is like here because I've watched a lot of cops and those, the reality programs to see what, what prison's like, and I know I don't want to be there. It doesn't look comfortable at all. Uh, Roman prisons were a little bit different. They, they were a little bit different. Roman prisons were underground. They were pretty much in the dark. You were chained to a guard, that, that you were like actually connected to a guard, um, and, and Paul was, was probably thinking at any time he could die. Not just like being overdramatic, that, oh, I'm going to die. He was, he was like, I'm, prob- I'm probably going to die. I'm probably going to die here. He wanted, he wanted to go to Rome to, to minister the gospel to Rome to, to be out there preaching, and instead, he's attached to a guard in a hole in the ground, and that's, and that's his visit to Rome. But this is what he writes in Philippians chapter one. I thank my God every time I remember you in all my prayers for all of you. I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. I thank my God. He's in prison, in this Roman prison. And he starts off with, I thank my God. Is that how you would start your letter? I would be like, help, I, I, I don't want to be here. Please get me out. This hurts. Please, please relieve me from the suffering. How, how do I get out of here? But, but Paul writes, I thank my God. I, th- I thank my God. And, and this is ultimately the response that, and the journey that, that we're hoping that you walk down as well. That, that your response to, to a trying situation, to the, the, the pains and struggles that you're going through right now is, is a response of, I thank my God. I thank my God. Our human nature in, in these times of pain and suffering is to cry and complain. Any whiners here? I got my hand up. I'm a whiner. I'm a hardcore whiner. And, 
and, and that's just like culture today and any day, that, that, that we whine and complain and, and, and we cry about the situations that we're in, no matter how bad they are, and, it, and it's just getting worse and worse. How do we have joy? Where's, where's the joy in those times? Where's the joy in, in going through our bad days? Because you know, bad days are inevitable. They're going to come. You might be having one today. You might be sitting here today with a smile on your face and thinking, today sucks. I'm not, I am not having fun today. I'm at, I'm at church hope, hoping that God can give me something. And that might be exactly why you're here today. And my prayer is that, is, is that you find what God's got for you. Because most of us don't do well through the bad days. We default to complaining. Our default mode is, is to complaining. But God's got a desire for us as Christians to be mature, to grow up in him. That, that wallowing in, in that pain is, is our default mode, but he wants us to have a disciplined response of, of joy, to rejoice in those moments. And, and to understand that he's got something for you at that time. There's, there's something for you in that bad day that, that, that he wants you to see, to grab a hold of the opportunity and, and run with it. I thank my God every time I remember you in all my prayers for all of you. I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And pay attention here. Being confident of this, being absolutely sure, not just like kind of hoping or wondering or, or praying, but being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. That is an amen, right? Rejoice for, for every God-given dream, every vision that God has for your life, everything he has started in you, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. So how can we have this attitude? Paul's attitude is one of confident expectation and disciplined joy. Confident expectation and disciplined joy. He had joy. Are you pursuing joy or are you pursuing happiness? The pursuit of happiness, that's the American dream, right? Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. That we, that we chase after happiness. We can chase after happiness like, like a drug looking for the next fix. We chase after what we want, what feels good. We want status. We want these momentary things that make us happy. And when we don't have them, we're cranky. run happy. Joy is not a part of the picture. And we just end up chasing after that next fix of, of happiness. When we have what we want, it's good. When we don't, it's bad. The pursuit of happiness, it just doesn't always work out in your life. And, and, and when it's wrecked, you don't have it your way. It's just, it's, just not, it's just not good. But there's something that supersedes the pursuit of happiness. It, it's joy. It can be totally elusive. Because our default is to chase after happiness. Let's find joy. Let's find joy. So what's the difference between Happiness and joy. The first is this. Happiness is external. Happiness is when things outside of you are, are going good. Like right now, I'm happy. It's cold in here. Last week, I wasn't happy. I was kind of cranky because it was, it was warm in here. But, but, but happiness kind of depends on that external reality, right? When the sun's shining, I'm happy. When it's raining out, I'm not. When I got plenty of money, I'm happy. When I don't, I'm not. When traffic is mild, I'm happy. When it's not... When it's backed up, I'm not. 
Happiness comes from all these things outside of you, the external. And, and Paul's got the most right to bring this message to you, that, that when you look at his externals, his externals were, were probably the worst. And in 2 Corinthians, he says, <clears throat> I have worked much harder, been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely, and been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from, from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I have been constantly on the move. I've been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false believers. I have labored and toiled, and I have gone, often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst, and have often gone without food. I've been cold and naked. Besides everything else, I face daily the pressure of my concern for all the churches. That's Paul's external. Kind of puts our external in a little bit of perspective, right? Last week was a little warm, and I was cranky. Paul's external, Paul's external is, is, is some, some heavy-duty extreme. But he responds in joy. So, so happiness is external, but, but joy is internal. He writes in 2 Corinthians, Therefore we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed by day, day by day. There's the contrast. Outwardly, we're wasting away. Inwardly, we're being renewed. For our light and momentary troubles, he explained what his light and momentary troubles were, right? For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far awaits them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. There's there's the the contrast in dynamic, the external versus the internal, wasting away versus being renewed. If If our external... It's the same as our internal. If our wasting away on the external is also our, our wasting away on the internal, we're, we're in trouble. That, that might be where you are today. That might be where you are today. Let's see that change. Bless you. Happiness is external and joy is internal. Happiness is also based on circumstance. If happiness is your goal, then you're totally at the, the mercy of circumstance or luck. That that's, that's what you're chasing after and that's and that's what your, your emotional response is based upon. I'm sure you can be disciplined at, at working to find happiness, but you're just chasing that next fix. That, that when, you get the, when you get the new car, it's like so exciting and happy, but like a couple weeks later, you realize, well, it's just, it's just a car. No, where's the next, where's the next happy? That, that the TV in, in your living room, oh, I got, I got the bigger one now. And, but then a couple weeks later, you see there's another big one, a bigger, an even bigger one out there. And that... Well, that will, make, that will make me happy. What are, the, what are the fixes that you chase after? When events around you are good, you're happy. When they're not, you're not. And when you're not happy, this is where you've decided to dwell. Your status is a, a default based on, on the circumstances around you. It's easy to not be disciplined, but when you're not disciplined, your, your default status is just to wallow. And, and really, sometimes chasing the happiness, finding the things that, are, that make you happy put you in even worse circumstances that you got to try to figure out how to, how to get the fix that covers that. Happiness is based on circumstance, but joy, joy is based on Christ. Joy is based upon your relationship with Christ. He can change your life. And he's going he's gonna to do two things. One of them is going to be a supernatural change. Knowing Jesus will, 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 will cause a supernatural change in you. Something that, that, is, that is not on you, it is just him. 
that if you, if you consider who you were before Christ and who you are after Christ, there is, there is probably a significant difference there. I was at, I had, I had some, some friends over who were, who were picking on me um, this last week, and, and they were asking me, what was, the, what was the Tim like before? Like, the Tim like before was a jerk. I'm still a jerk, but I've been supernaturally changed from being that jerk to a different jerk. Amen. Amen. <laughs> that there's a loving aspect to it. That's, that's not on me. Jesus will do some supernatural change in you. But he's also going to lead us down a path of, of natural change, that there's things that he will teach us, things that we need to learn. And, and that's part of this walk. There are things of him that we need to focus on. So, so we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. We fix our eyes. There's, there's, there's a discipline here that supernaturally, I'm probably not going to fix my eyes on Jesus, Jesus that initially, yes. But then there's, there's an expectation that, that we learn, too, that, that there is uh, some sort of accountability in us to put our focus there. That if we don't, then we just still wallow in, in, in the despair and the hard times or the chasing after happy. But, but, but he, ex, he expects us to fix our eyes on him. Because, because that's where joy is found. Joy is found in him. That, there was, that was Paul's separation, right? Circumstances stuck. However, I'm going to look at Jesus. And at Jesus, I'm going to find my joy. I'm going to find my contentment. I'm going to find my peace. But it's, but it's a discipline. But that, that discipline plays out. Philippians 4.11, For I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. Contentment. The word sounds awesome, even if I don't have it right now. Con- contentment is, 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 is a, a level of relief. And it's wonderful when you're, when you're interacting with people that, that have that, that even in their bad circumstances, you can see that there's, there's a level of contentment in them. That while they might be bombarded with crappy situations all around them, that that's not what's stressing them. They, they find joy and contentment and peace in Jesus. Happiness is based on circumstance, but joy is based on Christ. And happiness also happens by chance. The bad part about happiness is it's, it's really not up to you. You could, you could be lucky. It just might be a good day. You know, if, if you're one of those people or if it's raining and you're just super cranky, that you got no control over that, right? That most of the circumstances that, that affect your, your, your happiness or, or unhappiness, are, are, you can't control. Definitely not long-term. Even if you could control it, it's still just a short-term fix and you got to go chasing after something else. It just happens by chance. But, but joy happens by choice. Joy happens by choice. It's up to you. Joy doesn't have to be fleeting. It doesn't have to depend on your outward circumstances, the things you can't control. Don't let the things you can't control control you. Choosing joy is a different journey. That might be why you're at church today. That's, that's why there's Philippians, that, that, that Paul got to write the letter to the Philippians in a Roman prison because he knew we needed to hear this message. That, that ultimately, believers all around the world throughout time need to hear the message of choose joy. Your circumstances are going to be rough. Choose joy. He wants you to know there's a choice. 
Scripture gives you that choice. I can't stop the circumstances. I can't stop the events. They're going to happen. I can, but I can choose how to respond to it. You know, we live on this, this, this earth that's cursed and, and sucky things are happening all around us. We don't have to go far out of Reynoldsburg to hear of, of horrific situations. And, and when you get further out of Reynoldsburg, there are horrific situations. But, it, but in the middle of all that, God's there asking us to make a choice. He's given us a choice to respond. Deuteronomy says, This day I call heaven and earth as witnesses against you that they have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life. Now choose life. So we fix our eyes on what is seen, but not as one seen. Fix your eyes on life. Choose it. Make the choice. Paul chose life. He chose thankfulness. He chose contentment. He chose joy. He didn't stumble into those. It wasn't like an accidental, oh, I guess I'm in joy. He chose it. In whatever circumstances, he had his eyes fixed on Jesus, and he chose joy. Choose joy. That's the takeaway today. Choose it. Be disciplined and choose it. Choose joy no matter what. Choose joy no matter what. And Paul's prayer is the prayer that that we have for you. Philippians 1, 9 through 11. And this is my prayer. That your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. That there are some things that you need to learn and some supernatural things that happen inside of you. So that you may be able to discern that when the next bad day comes upon you, you are prepared to choose joy so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Choose joy. So how can we do this? I'm gonna give you three steps that that you can start taking as, as to how you can do this. The first one is this. Stop asking why. Why? How many people get stuck in the why? I get stuck in the why. We get stuck in the why me. It becomes the attractive distraction. It becomes the, the, the pity party that we play. And, and you can hang out there for a real long time. You know, I want, I want answers. Don't get stuck there. I've been stuck there. Be, before Simple Church, I had helped plant a church in, in Blacklick and, and, and helped grow that church and ended up becoming the lead pastor of that church. And then we closed that church. Um, we closed that church not, not for any bad reasons. Outside of it was... It was time to make that decision to close that church. And, and while I, I, at the time, I, I knew it was the right thing to do, the next six months we call our dark period. That uh, if, you've, if you've ever participated in closing a church, and I'm gonna assume that most of you haven't, you may have participated in, in a church closing. Um, from a from pastoral perspective, it's a death. It's a, it's a flat out death that this congregation uh, we, we put down and, and the struggle was significant, especially when everybody left, went to new congregations and, and me and my wife were left on our own. It was, it was our dark period. That dark period lasted easily six months plus probably a couple years after that. But it was, but it was, a, it was a death. And, and in that period, I... I uh, totally wallowed in the pity party. Why? Not, not why, trying to figure out what the, what the next step was, or, or why, what am I supposed to learn about this? It was just the, it was just the wallowing in the depths of, of darkness, and, and why? 
you might have those deaths in your life too. That you ask why. And then you get stuck there. For six months I was stuck there. Like blatantly stuck there. Don't, don't get stuck in the why. This, this self-pity quicksand, feeling like there's no way out. Don't get stuck in the why. That, that Know that God promised you there's going to be bad times coming. They're coming. Life's not going to be perfect and easy. Who's got this verse on their, on their wall? John 16, 33. In this world, you will have trouble. Is that your, anybody's kitchen verse? Above your door as you walk out into the world, in this world, you will have trouble. But around it says, I have told you these things, that you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. If you focus on the, in this world, you will have trouble, that's the why. I'm just like, why? But, 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 but just before that, I have told you th- these things so that you may have peace. That, that there's still a, a choice to be made in there. God never promised no trouble. What he promises is that when trouble comes, he has provided a way above your troubles. In my darkness, I wasn't thinking that. I was just thinking darkness. I was just asking why, not, not really looking for the answer. But Paul writes, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that, that what has happened to me, remember all those horrific experiences that, that he had talked about, has actually served to advance the gospel. In the middle of his sufferings, in the depth of his bad days and painful circumstances, he didn't ask why. He didn't wallow in, in the unhappiness or the un- uncomfortableness. He accepted the why and understood it. Why? To advance the gospel. I have my whys and I would love answers. And, and at some point, I, I hope to be uh, in, in front of God and to be able to ask those questions with a deeper understanding that, that my response will be, oh, of course. You know, right now I don't understand, but, but, but I expect that at one point he'll, be, he'll explain it, like he, like he has to explain it to me, then he'll explain it. And my response will be, oh, but of course. We all have our questions. We all would love answers. But don't get stuck in the question of why. You being stuck in the question of why. In those six months that I was in my dark period, nobody really wanted to hang out with me. I didn't want to hang out with anybody. Even when Aaron, when Aaron and I reached out and he said he wanted to sit with me and, and hear my story, it's like, you want to hear my story? You're getting ready to plant a church. I just closed one. I am probably not the most encouraging person. <laughs> but understand that in the, in the darkness of that why and the, and the, and the, the circumstance that you're unhappy about or struggling about, the way that you react, you might be that circumstance for somebody else. That, that your unhappiness and how you're responding and you're wallowing in the why, if you're doing that around other people, you might be a bad experience for somebody else. And they're asking, why? Why? Don't, don't be that, ex- that circumstance for someone else. Stop asking why, stop asking why, and start asking what. Start asking God, what are you doing in this? What are you trying to teach me? What opportunity are you presenting me? What is my next step? What do I need to do? I think it's probably pretty safe to assume that God's plans are better than yours. My plans are pretty good. 
But God's plans, are, I'm, going, I'm going to assume, are a little bit better. And Paul had plans. You know, he had these dreams to, to preach in front of large groups of people and, and, and see the gospel transform huge numbers of people. And he probably thought that meant going to cities and, and having the opportunity to, to preach in front of megachurches and speak at conferences and, 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 and all the cool stuff of that time. Instead, he had some bad days. Instead, his circumstances were radically different, right? He had reasons to ask why and be unhappy, but instead he discovered new opportunities. Philippians 1, as a result, as a result, here's the opportunity, has become clear throughout the whole palace garden to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. He didn't preach to the masses, he preached to the few. He preached to the few people that he was literally connected to. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. With everyone hearing about his circumstances and opportunities, others were getting fired up about their opportunities and circumstances. And, and probably more so than if he wasn't in chains. That if he was speaking to the masses, these opportunities would probably not have played out the way that, the way that they did. That locked up in a Roman cell, he was like, cool, I can work with this. He wrote a letter, the letter to the Philippians while in jail. He wrote a number of letters to, to churches while in jail, that if he wasn't in jail, those letters may not have gotten written. That there were people that were witnessed to and saw him move and walk in Christ that, that changed their lives, that probably changed more lives than would have happened if he was up on a stage delivering a message. He asked what? What are the opportunities? And he took advantage of those opportunities. And, 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 and are you missing out on those opportunities? You know, his... His dreams and his plans didn't play out the way that he expected. What dreams and plans are you holding on to that, that need to go by the wayside so that God's dreams and plans can play out fully? That you might be clutching on to, to something that is, is really just seeking your glory and your happiness when in reality, God's got something different for you. In Paul's circumstance, you know, there were other people that were witnessing, watching, and, and, and probably encouraging him on. In my dark time, I was isolated. I was alone. I wasn't allowing other people to speak into my life, and I definitely wasn't speaking into other people's lives. But look at that. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord. He wasn't doing this in isolation. There was, there was a community in some form or fashion that was around him. If you're, if you're isolated, those opportunities might be hard to come by. God's plan for Paul was obvious to not just him, but everyone, everyone around him. Don't exclude others from asking the what for you. We, ha we have grow groups for you to, to be able to connect and invest in each other's lives and, and hopefully have each other help each other discover what the what is. What opportunities does God have for you? On your own, you're probably not gonna find them. But in community, with the body, those opportunities show up. Those 24 people that are in Honduras would not have that opportunity all by themselves. They, they could. They could book a, a, a ticket to Honduras, but, but they're not going to have the, the opportunities and the influence that God provided this team. You can't do it on your own. You can't do it on your own.
Romans 8 says, and we know, not hope or wish with fingers crossed, that in all things, the situation that you're in right now, God works for the good of those who love him, who've been called according to his purpose. This is, this is the God attitude. This is the joy attitude. This is the choice. This is a disciplined response to a bad day, a mature and disciplined, disciplined response to the bad day that there is something good in this. There's something good to be discovered. There's an opportunity here somewhere, an opportunity to love, an opportunity to serve, an opportunity to sacrifice, to encourage, to repent. Opportunity to repent. Maybe the, maybe the bad day you're going through right now is because you've made some horrible choices. If that, if that could be the reason that you're going through this right now. Not, not just the why, but what do I need to do? What do I need to do? I need to turn. And you turn away from the, the stupid sin that I'm doing and, and look back at Jesus. And that's where I need to fix my eyes. But your bad situation might not might change at all. That, that's the opportunity is to realize that, oh, I'm being an idiot. Horrible choices that I'm making here. But that's, but that's an opportunity that's available to you as well. We, and we love hearing the opportunities. I love hearing the opportunities. I, I love hearing the, the steps that people are making to, to, to finding the joy and seeing what God's actually got for them. That ne- the next week, we'll get to hear the missionaries. We'll get to hear stories from 24 people of, of what God was doing, and not, not just in the bigger picture, but in, but in the small opportunities as well, that, that when things were a little bit uncomfortable in, on Honduras, this was the opportunity that was presented to them, and, and they grabbed it. We might even hear opportunities that, that were presented to them and they, and they regret not taking them. And those are great stories as well because they saw it. Next time, they won't miss it. How many opportunities do we miss because we're not even looking? And then how many opportunities do we take because we realize we missed the last one? Look at your circumstance. Stop asking why and start asking what and change what you're looking at. Refocus on what really matters. A lot of things matter. There are a lot of things that matter in life, but, but what really, really matters? In the light of eternity, there's only a, you know, a few things that, that really, really matter. And if you want to know the secret of getting through a bad day, that's, that's where you need to focus. Focus on Jesus. Paul addresses an issue that, that had come to his t- attention. You know, so in this letter, uh, Paul's writing to the, the church at, at Philippi, and there, in the 10 years that he had planned this church, there were other churches that planted. And, and not all of them were, were really happy with, with Paul or Paul's church, and they were, they were rather antagonistic. Um, they were talking bad about Paul and his church, and, 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 and some of the letters that were being written were, were to rile up his congregation, to rile up Paul. And this is his response. Philippians 1, 15 through 18. It is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so out of love, knowing that I'm, I'm put here for the defense of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I'm in chains. But what does it matter? But what does it matter? Who cares? So what? That's a God attitude. Who cares? So what? Not that he doesn't care, but Who cares? The important thing, the important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. Yes, and I will continue to rejoice. Don't let yourself get ruffled up, sidetracked by things that don't matter. Stay focused on what really matters rather than the trivial things. Paul decides to have a right attitude. He's got a right focus of of rejoicing. Who 
who, who gets focused on things that don't matter? I totally, I totally get focused on things that don't matter. Sometimes it's just a, a slight perspective shift. My, my, uh, my last week I've been at home alone and, and I can look at my house and my house is trashed. And uh, it's always trashed, it's cluttered, it's a mess, we have people over anyways and we just say this is, this is just what it is, you get what you get. Um, in my head it doesn't matter. Um, my wife and I would both like the house clean but neither of us think it matters enough to actually do it. But this week I did it. I did it, not because I want the house to be clean, but because I, because I love my wife. That, that, this, that this, this is the response, that, that my house being clean doesn't matter. What really matters is I love my wife. And I want to show her that I love her. I'm going to take the time and clean my house. Um, you, if you want, you can come over and take a peek at it. It won't stay this way. <laughs> but, if, but if I was just focusing on the house being a mess... That's just, a, that's just trivial. You know, if I'm unhappy or disgruntled because my house is a mess, that's just trivial. You all have something that you're focusing on that is ultimately just trivial. How do we shift, shift your focus on the things that, that really matter? My house being clean is, uh, is a small trivial. Some of the bigger things that we're wrestling in life are ultimately trivial too. Are ultimately trivial too. And this is not to, to, to make light of, of some of the struggles that, that we're going through, either health struggles or financial struggles or relationship struggles. This is not to say poo poo, oh, it doesn't matter. But how do you look at that from the perspective of what really matters? How do, how do, we, how do we choose? We've, we focus back on Jesus. The bad days plagued Paul. Paul had them left and right. His life was probably more bad days than it was good days. We decided to have a different attitude, to, to choose ultimate joy. To choose ultimate joy. Philippians 1.21 says, For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Which one is better? To live is Christ, to die is gain. What do you, what do you, you, I, you can, he's in prison thinking that he's going to die so they say, you know, we're going to kill you. It's like, oh, cool. I'm okay with that. Well, we're just going to make, well, we're not going to kill you. We're just going to make you suffer more. Oh, okay. I'm writing letters. I'm witnessing to people around me. It's all good. It's all good. But I, I could live. I could die. It's all good. It's all good. He, he knew what to focus on. The ultimate joy is to focus on Christ, that, that there's no way that you can lose You might be sitting right here right now and it's like, I don't grasp that. And, and I'll raise my hand, it's like, I don't fully grasp that either. I'm not in a place where it's like, okay, I'm, you know, I don't wanna die right now. I don't wanna die right now. My kids are coming home tonight. <laughs> I don't wanna die right now. I don't even wanna die tomorrow after I've seen them. I don't want that. I wanna, I wanna be there though. I want to understand better how to fix my eyes on Jesus so that, so that, options, that options content in me. And that's, and that's a walk. I'm not there yet. I'm not there yet, but, but I, ho I hope and pray that I'm on that walk 
and then I got people that are walking with me. You have people walking with you in that. That, that in serving together or meeting together or in groups together or, or how you care for each other and, and interact in each other's lives, you have other people that are walking in that same direction. And, and, and good grief, I hope you got somebody in there that, that, is, that is in your life that is asking you the what's as well and, and helping you refocus to shift the perspective, to, to be able to hear where you are and say, so, so what is God doing? Where are you looking right now? What are you focusing on? On, on your own, you're in trouble. On your, on your own, you're in trouble. And, and my hope and prayer is that, that you're not on your own. I'm telling you, you're not on your own. You're not on your own. There are others that are walking this path as well. There are others that are, that are walking, walking that path and, and, and want to be in that win-win situation to, to live as Christ, to die as gain. And, and, if, and if you're sitting here alone right now, make a choice and do something different. Become, become a part of a congregation, simple church or another congregation. I don't care. Find a community of believers that'll stand with you, walk with you, ask you these questions. Find a group of believers that, that will stand with you, walk with you, and you can ask them those questions. That God's got a purpose for you in their lives, not just them and yours. You might be sitting here right now thinking, you know, I don't, I don't even have my eyes fixed on Jesus. My, my eyes are, are fixed totally on, on, the, on the world around me and the happiness that I'm chasing after or the misery that I'm wallowing in. But your focus might not even be on him. And that, and that can change. That can change today. That, that you can confess and believe in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and, and know that your life is going to be a, a, a bowl of roses afterwards, right? Not even close. But you'll be in a community of people that are walking in that direction. You'll be in a community of people that are walking in that direction. You are not alone. Just confess and believe. Put your focus on him. Because when you know him, you're in that win-win situation. When you know Christ, you're in that win-win situation. I'm going to ask you to bow your head and close your eyes. So, so, if, so if you know you're in that win-win situation, but, but, but you're struggling to, to actually get there, if that's, if that's the path you're on, raise your hand. If that's the path that you're on right now. That is a beautiful thing. You're on the path. You are on that path. If you're not on that path yet, if... if, if if you have not accepted the free gift that, that Jesus has given you, I'm going to offer up a prayer, but that prayer is not magic. The prayer is not magic words that, that will get you saved. It is, is a step of, of belief. All you have to do is confess and believe. And the prayer is an opportunity for you to confess and believe. 
But that's him, that's him calling you. That's the one that's the, the son of God saying, fix your eyes on me. Come this way. If if that's you, if if that's where you are, raise your hand and, and we'll walk through that, that prayer of confession and belief. Thank you. Let's let's pray. Father. I thank you for this morning. Father, I I fix my eyes upon you. I fix my eyes upon Jesus. I confess Jesus as Lord and Savior. And I believe he is who you said he is. and has done what he said he did to save me and bring me in relationship with you. Father, I know the walk is not going to be easy. But I pray that you provide me the community to follow after you. I thank you, Father. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.